Hello and welcome to You Set the Tone, the podcast that takes an x-ray to the medical drama show ER. We examine the show with surgical precision and celebrate the high pressure and beating hearts of the show. My name is Sharon. My name is Ed. And I'm Sean. Hello. And today we're talking about season three, episode eight, Union Station. Ooh. That's odd. Mm. I feel like we've discussed this one before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a sense of deja vu. Oh yes, what uh, is this one about? You're just, I don't know, dreaming about us when we're not here, maybe. Who knows? Well, that, um, well, that well. is a certainty. I, I, yeah. I knew that. <laughs> I cannot discuss that on the pod. A legal gentleman quote was about to come out, but I thought, if, if Sean's holding himself back, I will. <laughs> it's rare for Sean to hold himself back. Listeners. I know, I know. I mean, I still wear that badge of honour when he, he, when I text him something that he'd found a bit too much. And said, Jesus, Sharon. I, but, I, it shocks okay. me. Like it honestly shocks me when, when there's something that's like you know, all right, that's too much for Sean. Mother of exactly. God, it must have been. Bad. <laughs> and if you pay our Patreon, you can find out what our sleazy texts are. For <laughs> <laughs> fifteen pounds a month. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But we. If, if you want us to do a Patreon, we'll do a Patreon. Yeah, you just tell us. Um, just tell us. So, yeah, Union Station, which is, well, as we know, the station in Chicago, which opened mm-hmm. in May 1925 after 10 years of construction. And today it's the nation's third busiest station and handles around 140,000 passengers on an average weekday, which is yeah. no small, you know, amount yeah. of people. That's insane. Like, uh, obviously, I'm, I don't know what I would compare it to, but it just sounds like so many people to be yeah. traveling through the one space. But then again, I know obviously Chicago is, well, it's a bit bigger than, say, Dublin, which is the capital city <laughs> of, uh, of Ireland, of course. Um, and I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I suppose when you think about rush hour, even in, say, I suppose rush hour, London probably yeah, does... Yeah comparable yeah. numbers i yeah. would say so yeah i can i yeah i mean i think the stations here are just absolutely crazy um the only thing i was going to say is, is I, I think when it was built as well it was in the kind of the 20s obviously rail was one of the most uh you know would you know airplanes weren't around so trains would be probably the way people got around yeah. a lot more so these stations are just so beautiful and yeah. so um I don't, just like I don't, they, I have this they're quite romantic. Like if you think about kind of that one, and then you think about the one, uh, you know, the, in New York, um, Grand Central, Grand Central mm-hmm. which just is also just really beautiful, and yeah, and is. you can I just imagine like people having like a little, you know, some oysters at the little oyster bar, yeah. and then they go, you know, one goes on a train one yeah. way, one goes on a train the other. I don't know. There's just some romance around it all. There's a, a Robin Williams film where he's he's sort of daydreaming and there's people doing a waltz on the floor of Grand Central Station. And you, oh. if you've ever been to Grand Central Station, there is enough yeah. room. There is it is a ballroom, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. beautiful. Years yeah, yeah. ago, and it's just like all right, this is, and I, I'd say this with respect now to Ireland, but this is a little bit different now from Connolly Station in the middle of Dublin, which is <laughs> grand. Don't get me wrong. As train stations yeah. go, it's grand. Bit smaller. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. just, I think as well, because when it was built, it's just beautiful. They're just beautiful yeah. stations. Whereas like, I know Birmingham had a re, an upgrade and it's just so huge and really yeah. modern looking and, and it's, I don't know, I've missed that kind of the, the, the beauty of the old. I don't world. think, yeah, I don't think the new, new street station is going to age as well. But then no, the old one think. was just, 
oh, a concrete horrible. block of a terminal. Yeah. It was ugly. It so was ugly. Birmingham's got a lot of brutalist architecture, and some of it is listed, so it can't be oh, eff effectively okay. destroyed because it's examples of brutalist architecture. But um, the only station I can think of while we think about it is Marlebone. If I go down to London, I, I try and go down to Marlebone because yeah. it's, it's smaller, it's quieter, it's cute. It's, it's cute. red. It's, it's a red brick Victorian building, and all the all the trains come into like they're all parallel, so it's easy to navigate. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it is. It is. It's, that one is quite pretty. That it's got like a little cheese shop, which is really yes. sweet. And um, oh, yeah, anyway, let's 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 get to the real important stuff. So this is a big episode. We say it goodbye is. to one of the main cast who originated her role. Mm. Was kind of the main female doctor who has kind of given us a full range of yes. storylines and yeah. acting and everything. And I know Sean is quite like, yay, you know, got to get the storyline <laughs> done and out the way. I'm going to miss her. I loved, yeah. I, I have a real, when I was younger, she was my I, idol. I was just like, wow, you yeah. are just kind of beautiful and smart and capable. And it was great to have someone like that on TV, but um, no, no, yeah. no. okay, just, just, just before, <laughs> all right, we, 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 we get Sean cancelled and everything. No, um, Susan, it's season three. I, I actually, I, I like for this is obviously episode eight. My, my, my issue, and unfortunately, my opinion remains unchanged, is just the Chloe and baby Susie story. It yeah. just dragged mm. out in You're season right. two. And it, it, it's not that it was a bad storyline. It was just, um, borrow a Bilbo Baggins quote, it was like butter being scraped over too much bread. There just wasn't oh. enough to it. Like, yeah. Chloe is a bad mother. Baby Susie, I'm looking after her. Okay, great. So where yeah. are you going to go from here? Chloe's back and she seems to have her shit together. Okay, great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we're now on episode 15 of this and nothing <laughs> really new has come of it. Yeah. So that was, no, so my, I agree. My criticism there is directly labeled against that storyline. Coming into season three, it was so refreshing mm. to see shades of a more confident season one Susan yes. back again. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. There was a lightness to it. There was her confidence. Like you say, her confidence was there. So we didn't get this jittery season one who would have a, a little victory and then a setback and that would set her back even further because she lacked maturity and confidence in herself. And then she's had, like you say, the situation with the little Caesar, which I think did help her mature and develop in a lot of ways. Mm. But then we get just such a, like you say, such a small snippet of kick-ass Susan. Do you know what I mean? Full on Compared, compared, yeah, with the, and I agree, like that storyline was dragged out a lot and it wasn't really taking us anywhere and... And now we know that Susan, when Susan leaves, it feels like, God, we spent so much time of her on that and that. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay. But I, it was quite exciting to see a woman who wasn't a mother and was also, was kind of, had gone down a very different path. So uh, yeah, absolutely. But um, that's why this one's, this one's a huge episode because, you know, it's the first time we say goodbye to a major was yes. the first one who leaves one of yeah. the major um the major stars yeah that's true yeah but i just i felt like though the send-off was quite interesting because throughout the episode they definitely have are trying to kind of hark back to to moments 
I felt like uh, kind of highlights of Susan or just kind of to in some way sum up like you could watch this episode look at the different strands and be like okay you could get a real flavor of Susan because like so she's she starts out where she's teaching uh she's looking after um the patient Mr Reynolds who's come in and she's talking to Carter and Doyle and uh you know she's really trying to teach them she's saying well what do you think's going on here and what do you think needs to happen and they're both so adamant you know surgery surgery and she's like well what about this and she also treated medicinally and actually there's other information there that they haven't looked at and this is something we've seen from her before you know she does see things that others don't and she does approach things sometimes from a very different wet place and is quite successful at that and I thought that you know this was quite a sweet little way of kind of you know put saying here you go here's a one you know layer of Susan maybe yeah I totally agree I think it was great to see her back on form I actually I really enjoyed the exchange with Carter and Doyle there in the beginning because they they kind of set up the scene in such a way that it looks like they're going to all start tearing lumps out of each other. (laughs) And, you know, like it looks as though Carter's genuinely annoyed at her. And I I love that. I I feel it was a very deliberate callback to the whole case and storyline of season one, Mm. where, you know, Carter is just like, yep, yep. There's a chance of X happening. Therefore, this is a surgical case. And she's straight in with no, no, no. It's only a 10% chance. I think we can do this. Carter goes, oh, I suppose you want to treat this medically. And she goes, yes, I suppose I do. And then everyone, of course, is just kind of laughing. Uh, yeah. and it's all good natured and it's really, really nice. And I think actually, I think Maggie Doyle is a little bit out of the joke. Because, yes. Yeah, like Carol is laughing away. She knows what this is. Yeah. Carter and Susan leave laughing together. And Maggie Doyle's face is a bit like, what just happened? What's happening? <laughs> Was I there? What's going on? Yeah. Um, and, and we have also this little flirt between her and Carter, you know, she says, oh, he says, oh, she just wants to keep me around because this is going to be our last patient together. And, and it again, then harks back a little bit to kind of Carter's infatuation with her. And now when he tried to kiss her and maybe harks forward, we don't know. I, I don't have a crystal Ooh. ball. I'm not saying anything, but it, you know, and I just thought, you know, that's quite a sweet little touch because it also, it just showed her relationship with people so you've got kind of that flirty kind of fun relationship with Carter and then you have you have Carol who says to Doyle you know well sorry Susan is saying to Doyle first you know don't worry it just comes with practice and trying to be really like you know nice and then um Carol turns around says ignore her she was always this good and Mm it I don't know it was like a nice it was, I, I feel like a lot of the times we don't say to people what we really think of them, like nice stuff, what we really think of them until they're passed away. And, and with her leaving, it feels like people are, are starting to say the nice stuff that they've always thought, but never maybe said, which, which is cute. I think you're both very good podcasters and I very much enjoy doing this podcast with you both. Oh my God, I'm scared. He's never yeah, been nice to us. Are you high, Sean? <laughs> I'm sure I don't know what you're talking about, but this you're looking a little bit glazed. Is absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful, because there was something flammable next to your candle there. Uh... <laughs> oh my god, it went close to the flame. So it's great listening for podcasts. Absolutely, lads. Absolutely, yes. But Sean um... nearly dipped something potentially man-made fabric into what I an open is flame. None of anybody else's business. So. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's it, it's a lovely start to the episode. We we also get um, 
we, we get a couple of setups in the cold. We do. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We get Doug is out with the health machine, hell machine again this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, joined by Chuni, and we get um, it's quite a short appearance in this episode. Uh, Kirsten Dunst is back. Yeah, back she Charlie. comes mm. back. Um, she does, and she she seems to be doing something good here. She's bringing her friend's baby down yeah. to get immunized. Um, now, as we find out later on, there is an issue with the fact she's brought her friend's baby. Yeah. Um, and uh, Signatures that have been... <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, Doug, you know, he'll do anything yeah. for a pretty face. Now, this isn't a, a sexy relationship type thing, but it's just like, Doug, please, please exercise some judge. I get he was trying to do a lovely thing. He was trying he to was. do a lovely thing um, and just be like, look, okay, yes, baby's immunized. That's fine. That's grand. Go on next. Uh-oh, there is a medical issue. We need to get in touch with mommy and baby again. Obviously, we've never met mommy. Nope. Uh, don't know what mommy looks like or even mommy's real name, potentially. Or um, where she is, you know, yes. because so we see some results come back on baby Ahmed Lopez. Great name. Good um, memory as well. <laughs> thank ah. you. Um, it's a stunning name. It's it's a film actor's name. It's a right. you know, glamorous yeah. name. Um, and and so yeah, they, they do tests and and they come back and there's an issue. And I think whatever Charlie's written down on the form isn't correct because Doug is trying to, as we say, call up all the different shelters and. All he's got is the name Gabby to possibly go on. Um, and he's not getting anywhere. And he ends up having to visit because he has to track down the baby because the baby's not well. And so this is where it's a problem. So as as, as easy as it sounded for like Charlie to sign off and whatever, this is the problem down the line that we have, um, which, you know, it, it's Doug doing what Doug does. You know, he tries yes. to do something good. He tries to do the right thing but he doesn't think it through. And, you know, sometimes there are rules for a reason, you know, like, <laughs> Yeah. It's like, oh, it's like my mother wasn't lying to me all those years when she said, you know, I'm not just making this up for the sake of my health. Although that actually <laughs> would really adapt to this situation quite yeah. well. You know, it is made up for the sake of health. I like it. <laughs> um, even, Doug- he, he, oh, so just, just sorry, funny enough, but on Doug, because there's another instance here there was i think it was i'm gonna say last season okay where doug did something and tuny was not okay with it that's exactly it yeah and, and this one's about now it's less well it seems to be less serious in this episode but uh when he's basically going to say all right yes i will do this tuny was just like are you sure yeah here we go again yes yeah, so last season he didn't he fake a temperature for the child so the child didn't have to get admitted to a different hospital yes. uh, yeah. um yeah. and she said you've tampered with this medical record and my name's on there yeah. and and again we can see why he tried to do that because you know he wanted to keep the kid where he could look after him and he wanted he didn't want to have to move him to kind of a, a less superior place but the other side of that is Juni could have been in trouble if anything had happened yeah. or you know mm-hmm. you can't kind of falsify these charts and again they're those rules are in there for a reason and they're not and if he wants to get angry and wants to do stuff he should be kind of arguing against the insurance people in the way that their rules are in there rather than kind of i mean it's hard because you know 
his heart is in the right place, so it's hard to kind of yeah. be be down on him. But he did bring cookies this time. Let's let's you he's know. He's learning. He's, he's learning. learning. He's slowly bits. He's learning bits. Yeah. Like you know, kind of like falsify documents. Yeah. Bring cookies. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here. It's like that Drake thing that you know that Drake meme where it's like, <laughs> yes, yes, no. Um, also, the mobile has become a building, which I was like, where did you find Hell that building? Yeah, exactly. Okay, we'll take it. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, we, yeah, that starts bubbling up. We've got kind of Doug setting up the scene and of this baby, um, and then we have something that before the cold open sorry still part of the cold open sorry is we have dr green and he is in susan's apartment which is now empty because she's packed everything up and he's gonna rent it now this just does not seem like the healthiest idea mm. yeah he's not gonna get over anytime soon is he? he's, he's literally living inside his own pain yeah <laughs> it's just not a good idea like every like there's no it, it couldn't not remind him of her it is literally yeah. her home um, yeah and i i don't know at the beginning of this episode because he's still so hesitant to have the conversation with her that he needs to have with her and yeah. doug spends quite a bit of time this episode going did you talk to her yet did you talk to her yet did you talk do to it her do it do it <laughs> it leads me to wonder what what was his plan by moving yeah. into her apartment and even if let's say sake of argument he had no plan and mm. he was just going to live there and that was the end of it but you know may, somewhere surely in his heart of hearts he was like well, maybe i'll say something and we'll live together <laughs> like will she not be just like you couldn't have said this before i moved everything out i no? packed everything up yeah <laughs> <laughs> i i think with with mark and we've seen this a lot is i think he's just so he's not somebody who makes a move he's i'm going to sit and brood on it for hours and i'm going to take years and years and i'm going to brood slowly and i don't know if like he just couldn't tell her because he was obviously afraid of lots of things but but having the property was a way of holding on to her in a really creepy not healthy way as well yes um, that's a good point yeah. which because the other thing i was thinking is we've seen his old apartment and he had two rooms he had one for rachel one for him yeah. and in this one it's just one room and i know she only comes every other weekend but that's still a little child in a small space it just seems like a weird downgrade hang on because i'm sure chloe uh little susie had her own room and when chloe lived with her oh. she should have had her own bedroom so maybe there is oh maybe I'm there sure, is i'm sure seeing now do you know what you're right you're absolutely right yet the estate agent says it's a one bed Oh, really? Yeah, it's a weird thing because you, you are absolutely right. I think that there is maybe like a den or a kind of an ante room or something that uh, they then turned uh, into a bedroom. Right, which is okay. easier for a baby. It's just all you need is the size of the crib. Uh, yeah. And then, well, no wonder Chloe got, you know, back on drugs and everything she was living in, <laughs> you know, a cupboard. And frankly, it's all Susan's fault. <laughs> all Susan's she was sleeping fault. stood up in the broom closet. Poor absolutely. Woman. I'd be wound up as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's true. But, but I remember, I don't, oh my goodness. Um, so there, there, there's, there was a moment where I completely misheard the estate agent, right? So it's, oh, it's just before the, um, the opening credits, right? And I, I must have been either taking a swig of coffee or something at the time, enough for me to just fall out of attention. 
and what she says is, <laughs> no, there'll be no live-ins, which you're not <laughs> subletting or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I heard was, now there'll be no Libyans. <laughs> and I thought, well, that is a really oddly specific discrimination. Yes. Like, they, they killed her dad in years and years ago, so she's always had this thing against Libyans. Not that it's right. Uh, I do like the Cruella de Vil. It it took me a minute to get that you're making a Cruella de Vil reference. Thank you. Oh, God, that's been too long. Um, Did you notice as well, so Mark is really stressed and he's he's run down this episode. Yeah. And everybody keeps going, are you all right? And he's got a stress tremor, like his face is twitching because of how he's feeling. Yeah, because he can't say how he's feeling, so it's all bottled up. And that's how it is coming out. And the fact that Susan can't interpret that little twitch as, I love you, please stay, is her own fault, because I (laughs) I could. So, I I kind of feel like Susan is is turning into the gates of this season, that she's getting the blame for a lot of, you know, ancillary stuff. I won't let that happen. She's the best. It's not her fault that Green is a, you know, a chicken and can't... Yeah. Can't be be himself. Um, And and this is quite interesting because we have Weaver and Green walking the halls and and Green... and and Weaver's moaning. She's saying she's worried about the fact that they're not going to have enough space for everybody um that's not actually, space sure that's that's not a really space. good point that's a really good point because i was just thinking um weaver i i think she's getting more comfortable in the er because her you don't see her whinging you don't see no. Kerry whinging you see her certainly expressing her opinion you see you know whether it be uh positive or negative but when I say she's whinging, like she has a valid concern, it's absolutely valid. But she's really like, oh, they were, you're going to be so, like, what was Morgan Stern doing and everything? Yeah. And it's quite a human outburst. I yeah. <laughs> the poor queen, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, but, you know, she's eventually getting so stressed that she's becoming comfortable enough to actually complain about the things <laughs> that are, you know. That yeah, are yeah, she's off bad. With. Yeah, she's like off her kind of good behaviour, trying to always present everything's great, everything's fine. She's yeah. actually got, starting to, yeah, get so into the rhythm that she can kind of go, oh, this is going to be rubbish or whatever. Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, no, I was just going to say, I, I like a Weaver Green moment. I like their little yes. walk and yeah. talks. That's all I was going to say. Carry on. Um, I, I did think it was, uh, she says... Um, it's a bit of a, a foreshadow, which is, you know, I'm really supportive of people's life choices. And I was like, <laughs> oh. Oh, that will come in handy. Interesting. <laughs> Remember Whatever that. do you mean, Carrie? <laughs> <laughs> that was her first early attempt to come out, but it was overshadowed by other it people. Was. And I feel bad for her. I Once again, too. straight people, you know, silencing queer voices. That's what it is. That's what we yeah. do. That's, That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and we thank you for it, oh, master. Um, <laughs> but, Oil uh, held a heady. Yeah. Good lord. Um, yeah, but what? What? And then was I going to say? Lost, gr- lost the train oh, sorry, yeah. yeah, no, no, lost the train. Not there. I got lost in a in a in a, in a hail of heady. I. <laughs> that's what I sent to you because I wanted to make a point, and you were about to speak, and I will not allow it. Again, silencing queer voices. Exactly. Um, it's to get you back for silencing women of colour's voices. Yes, oh. I said it. Oh, yeah, you're not yeah. still going on about that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a list. 
Um, oh god. Oh god. Wow. Uh, um, I, um, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> so Green is starting to act up because yeah. you know he he can't tell her how he feels. So he says to Susan, you know, oh, you know, come and help Doyle because Doyle's got to, you know, put yeah. a hip. The hip has fallen out of the socket or something, and they have to kind of yeah. put it back in. And so he he gets. So Susan's obviously there with Green as they're trying to show Doyle, and um, and then Green leaves. You know, everything's fine. And Susan and Doyle are walking out. And she says, oh, you know, you don't worry, you'll get it. And she's like, I do get it. I, you know, I know how to do that. And Susan says, well, why did you ask for help? And Doyle says, I didn't. And it's. Like, yeah. They just were so in their own head that they completely silenced another queer voice by uh, jumping all over Maggie's uh, case. Exactly. I'm with them. (gasps) For the love of... Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so we see that Green is acting out and kind of Susan's a little bit like, okay, so he's obviously taking this harder than I thought. You know, um, and it's kind of her first signal to to the fact that she probably needs to maybe have a word with him or that maybe he might act out a little bit more. But mm. upstairs, Hurley he baby Megan is going Yay. home. Bye bye, baby Megan. This Shoot. magic baby last you know, like, <laughs> healed uh, herself. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Baby Plus, Wolverine. Fantastic like mm. fantastic. Obviously infinitely preferable outcome. Uh, but yes, even if I've used, as you say, there's a little bit of Wolverine going on here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think even even Keaton realises this as well. She says, normally we're happy to take the credit, but this is all baby Megan. It's like, yeah, someone needs to do a study <laughs> on this child. <laughs> yeah. Amazing regenerative powers. Yeah, Absolutely. She can survive the Benton. So, you know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and he's not happy. He's because they want to take a picture with him and he doesn't feel he should let, you know, he doesn't, he hurt the baby. So he's to him, you know, I can't smile for this picture and I can't be happy about this. And um, Dr. K is just like, you know what? You just take a good outcome where it comes. (laughs) Like, shut up (laughs) and just accept it. Like, oh, stop being a martyr. Um, and then they kind of walk down the corridor together and Carter's there and it's it's brilliant because he's like, he obviously doesn't see Benton straight away. So he's like, oh, where have you been? Then he sees her, he sees Benton. He's like, oh, yes, um, I'm here for legitimate reasons that are mm. to do with kissing <laughs> Dr. K. Snogging. It's like, how mm. bloody obvious could you be? Like, <laughs> oh, um... I'll just walk down these stairs and do that thing, you know, where you walk behind the desk and you go do 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 do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or someone catches you looking, so you pretend you're looking up at something else. Potter's <laughs> <laughs> not the smoothest at hiding stuff, but no. luckily Benton is so in his head, I don't think he suspects anything at this point. And Dr. K is like, oh, we're doing a lit review together. And it's like, shit, now we have to actually do a lit review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, you, oh, you didn't have to say that, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Could have said so, I'm showing him an article. Like, <laughs> oh, I. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, show me an article. Mm. Sorry, do what? You... Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I <laughs> really am beginning to think, when you mentioned about Benton, that apart from when it comes to Carla, he is what they call anhedonic. He can't feel joy. Do you know what I mean? He's just... Absolutely. Ooh, he is such yeah. hard work. Yeah. He is, he is. And that was actually, do you know what? That's an excellent point because do you remember if we go back to the first episode of this season where mm. when he finds out that he didn't contract HIV, 
Yeah. And he goes then to the barbecue. And again, Ed, as you said, well, Carla's there. Yes. And it, it just felt so strange. Yeah. You yeah. know, not that I don't ever want Peter to be, <laughs> you know, full of joy and happy. But when someone is so consistently, I suppose, dour. Yeah. Yes. It, it's word. quite jarring, yeah. really, to yeah. see them happy. It's kind of like, um, yeah. maybe go back to the way you were. Um, <laughs> You're unnerving us. <laughs> Yeah, this is you this can is see weird. Your teeth. <laughs> uh, I agree. I think you know he's always so serious and so it's kind of unnerving when he's laughs and when he's when he's happy. We're like we don't recognize. Like for me, it's like I don't compute. I don't know how you guys feel when you see it. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's like he's like laughing and we're like, oh no, who shot a puppy? Yeah, <laughs> exactly that. Exactly. Oh. Um, and then Doug, Doug arrives, he's, he's there, he's at work, and he has the weirdest reference where, that he comes in and he basically calls Carol and Mark, not Carol, I always do this, Susan, Susan, after today I won't have to worry for a while, uh, Susan. Yeah. Um, he calls them the Mutt and Jerry of the ER, and I was like, I don't know what Mutt and Jerry means, so I did look it up. It was a comic strip which was created in 1907, and it was about two mismatched tin horns and a tin horn basically is a person who pretends he has money or influence and i'm like i still don't and of that all the kind of double acts yeah laurel and weird. hardy surely i'm yeah. trying to think of things yeah. that'd be more instantly. tom and jerry you know like yeah. chasing each other or something i don't know you know like just anything else <laughs> archie and veronica i don't know just like it's just it's just weird that he picks yeah. kind of two men from a Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. One. Um, I like it. Yeah. Although, like, you'd hope they don't come to the same end. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> well. No, or do I'm... the same stuff just before that, you know, with the murdering and robbing. Yeah. You kind of forget about the murdering. The robbing, like, well, as long, if, if they were like Robin Hood type robbers, that's one thing, but you, you kind of forget about the murdering. Yeah. It's like, okay, all right. So, um, <laughs> moving on. Yeah, moving quickly along. Well, we learned that Doug actually, um, he, he was the one who came up with this vaccine idea. This whole kind of ha that health mobile going out again was all his idea. So, again, we're seeing this moment of yeah. when his good intentions work out, you know, this is a, a good thing that he said, yep. I'm going to do and he's doing and and not only that but he wasn't telling people it Tooney kind of says oh you know it was it was Doug's idea and everybody's a little bit shocked so it just shows that side of him that really lovely sweet trying to do the best not showy kind of side to him which I thought was was cute and him and Susan have a nice little moment because yeah. you know they've had quite a sweet little fun friendship all the way through and and you know we've talked a bit about not being able to see you know man female relationship friendships mm. without romance and you know that's one that's a nice little yeah, definitely you know, and he kind of teases her and stuff about the fact that she's leaving and you know it's cute i do i do like um i like that sometimes so mark obviously doug yes he is seeing a therapist and he's getting help but we get all this personal bs around the edge of it but what at the core of it beyond his arrogance he's actually a really good doctor a doctor yeah. who really cares about people he's yeah. talented is very persuasive and charming with his patients in the right you know in the right kind of way and yeah. can talk them into getting the best treatment or you know speaking to dcfs or whoever mm. it's you forget sometimes it is easy like i say to forget with all of his bs that he's actually at his core a damn good doctor and yeah. this is a perfect example. That's a very yeah. good point because he is a very good doctor. He just 
doesn't act like it sometimes. Yes. Um, yeah, the maturity isn't there. I have lots of nice things to say about Doug, but oh, his, his actions really do. It does color the way you look at him professionally. Yes, yeah, it does. definitely. And then he'll run in and he'll take charge in a trauma. You know, he'll save somebody's life. Obviously, yeah. and then he'll, he'll hell and high water his way through the <laughs> situation, and it's wonderful, yeah. and we love him for it. And yet, even in like, you know, he needs to run and find Charlie again because he didn't take the right details, and yeah, yeah. Like you know. And although we all agree with his reasons, remember back in season one when he decked the guy. Uh, yes. No. Again, agree with his reasoning, but it's just like, oh, you're causing so much yeah. more trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're thinking before you kind of acting before you think. And so, yes. I think like him and Mark need to like, you know, kind of share a little bit. So Mark needs to think less, and Doug needs to think more. And I think that they, they could really do with a bit of an exchange of that kind of. Yeah. Or if we could then merge they, them in some kind of transporter accident. Yeah. To get the perfect doctor. That would be good with me. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then Weaver will come and kill them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're too good. <laughs> you belong as <laughs> two separate people. Exactly. Should get her little, you know, her. Weaver strikes me as the thing. kind of person yeah. who would never have blinked when it came to separating Tuvix. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll put you together into one doctor. Nah, I'll just beam one of you to space. It's fine. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Um, and then we get we get Benton and Dr. K and they, they're going to have a surgery of a little boy later on and Dr. K's got a very interesting way of working and that is to kind of sit and visualise it close your eyes, visualise kind of the anatomy, visualise the actual um, procedure and talk through it which you know is right up Benton Street <laughs> he's Benton is thrilled by all this um, yeah which is it's just funny because this clash of person like he, she, you know they're just not met working together at all like no. it's just not working he's not picking up he's not learning from it. well I think he could learn from her if he took time, but he won't. Yes. He's so busy going, oh God, this is going to make me look stupid or this is stupid instead of just having a bit of an open mind and having a go. Yeah, like say, just even if you think, okay, I'm not sure this will work, but I will try it because maybe there'll be a bit of this technique that will work for me in a different way. Yeah. He, I think he, do you know, I think he's got a problem with Keaton. Despite the fact yeah. he's kowtowing to her and not kowtowing to her, but was desperate to get onto this elective. Yeah. With baby Hurley, he, and when he really cocked up, he argued with her about about the whole thing. Exactly. And this time, he's been very dis- he's, he's really dismissive later in it. It is not a good Benton moment. And this, no. I think, season three Benton is is my least favorite version. I mean, say. he's really he's really disrespectful to her. And what yeah. annoys me as well is, and it's the same thing when you watch like Kitchen Nightmares or something, Gordon Ramsay. It's like he knows what he's talking you're like you're not making money and Gordon yeah. Ramsay's come in to say to you this is how you make money and you go no we're fine get out and it's like I don't get that it's, it's the same with yeah. him you're not doing very well at surgery at this kind of surgery you are failing she is renowned maybe you need yeah. to stop and and go hang on a minute I'm going to take in what you're saying because it's not like he's perfect and brilliant and great and actually you know we do see when he's in the surgery he ends up having to give it to her because yeah. he can't do it and he's obviously still kind of feeling a bit 
burnt, I guess, by the Hurley case. But he basically hands it over to her. And later she says to him, she says, you know, yeah, it can be overwhelming. And what happens a lot of the time when children's kind of everything's all a bit, I think, because it something's happened where the anatomy isn't where it should be and they could need to, oh, sorry, organs aren't where they should be and they yeah. need to kind of move it to, to obviously get it in the right place. And, and she said, you know, the only way to do that is to stop and to let it form. Because what he yes. did is he stopped and then he was like, I can't fix it. And she's yeah. like, no, no, you take a moment and sit. And the, the thing she was trying to teach him earlier was that if you navigate it through in your head, when you get yeah. there and take a second, you'll be able to navigate it. He, he really has a moment of panic, I think, because of the broke the the knock to his confidence, which is astounding. With the you know baby Hurley, he I think he suddenly has a moment of bang, I cut this up again, and it is really bizarre to see him have this. It's almost like a mini panic attack the way he froze, which you never expect Benson to do. Yeah, exactly that, and it's it's a real crisis of confidence we're yes. seeing, but. Again, what annoys me is that he isn't going, right, I don't have all the answers. I need to yes. learn from other people like Keaton. He just kind of craps on her and craps yeah. on kind of her, her methods. It's somebody else's fault. It can't be his fault because he's a great surgeon, which yeah. he is. He is a great surgeon, but he's yeah. not. He's not God. No, don't tell him. He'll be shocked. <laughs> He'll be shocked. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, just having this picture of you actually saying it to him and just how quickly he would just... Slice his head off? Uh, potentially, yeah, or ensure <laughs> that you need a surgeon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that... he has punched people out before. I mean, it'll be in the future for him, but yeah. Oh, no, he did. He did an assault. He assaulted um, the, the, the guy with the aesthetic guy. Aesthetics, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He deserved it. <gasps> he took his space. You don't take God's space. <laughs> That's what I talk about work all the time. He's taking my car parking space. We don't care. What it does doesn't matter. Need with the space. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, but it is. It's 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 so strange to see this side of Peter. Now we know why. But and I think Sharon, I think you discussed as well before. I think we we all did that. Generally, I don't see Benton as being sexist but I do think he is struggling with mm. Keaton as a boss. I agree, 100%. Oh, yes. I think I I there is, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. Like, I'm not, and I'm not sure how to come about that because is it the fact that she is a woman? Is it the fact that, I, I, I don't know how old she was in this, she seems to be either younger or of an age. So yeah. maybe is he like, well, what, what, why am I in that position? Um, maybe she couldn't be younger, maybe because he seems like the kind of person who went into medical school at age eight. So, um... <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a clash of style because he, as we say, he, he turn he makes it about her rather than him when he comes yeah. to say she's too unorthodox and he's very much a very rigid disciplinarian. He's very strict, yeah. whereas she's a bit more. She feels her way through, mm. but at the instinct. same time as being highly intelligent. Yeah, there's a lot, yeah. seems to be more instinct and, and heart to her approach, especially being in pediatrics, you need that. Where he is, he's all brain. Do you know what I mean? He, and I, I wonder if it's just he doesn't respect her approach, and that's why he argues with her, because, like you say, or, or you know, he thinks he should be there. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think that's, that's definitely, definitely possible. And also, like, he is... 
I'm probably just repeating what you said here, but he's the textbook, she's the interpretation. Yes, and exactly. Yeah, he's... Mm, you can tell he's just not not comfortable with that. Or just, he's he is not actually... He's not adaptable. Yes, he's very rigid. That's could, what it is, isn't it? And she... Yeah. And I think she knows that and she's trying to say that to him in some ways and trying to find ways to get him to, um, you know, stop and take a second. And she says to him, you know, 90% of it is this and 10% of it is stopping and taking that time. And he's just not picking up any of the crumbs. Yes. Mm. Um, Hard agree. Like, I can, under I can understand, you know, he... he he's not used to her way of visualizing things that's fine i'm sure that takes a while to get used to but i don't know the fact that he says to carter of all people oh i don't think she's i know it's just like what what like generally carter's the dirt on your shoe man like suddenly you're so it's, exactly it's just, yeah. oh it's so strange it's so strange and as if he it is, and it's a, as if he's the best doctor, trained teacher. Do you know what? Like, it's like you're no picnic. You know, people don't find you particularly useful or helpful or a great teacher. So again, you know, it's it's just feels very. I, I do. I think it. He might have a bit of a problem with. I think it's maybe it's her being a woman, but I think it's definitely the feelings he kind of instincty floaty he thinks and i think this does happen i think people go see people who have like emotional intelligence and they downplay it and they say well what use is that you're just like a hippie and they try to yeah. make you feel and i've had that happen to me in the past people have kind of underestimated me or kind of uh, i don't know thought that what i can bring to the table isn't useful because it's not dry driven hard like facts or whatever um so I, I feel like that's a huge part of it, that his issue. And um, I mean, Carter then said, you know, he's, what does he say? He's, don't, uh, Benton says, you know, she, she doesn't tell you what she wants. <laughs> and Carter's <laughs> like... Well, it depends what she's looking for, Peter. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Well she, she, well, she tells me, you know, like... <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, it's funny for us because we all obviously know, but Benton has no idea um, at that point. Um, and then back to later in this episode, you, you kind of wonder, like, does Benton even know what a woman would ever want, really? <laughs> yes. I think him and Green are kind of similar in the sense that I think Green overthinks everything so much he wouldn't make a move. Like, I really believe that Jen probably made all the moves on him and kind of, I, don't, I can't imagine him being the kind to ask her out I, I just imagine like he met her she was the first person that was nice to him or kissed him and that's that was it for him like that's a path I'm going to go down it and it's easy and I don't have to and I feel the same with Benton like he can't access emotions and he can't really access that stuff so with Carla she has to be the one who's like you know kissing him or probably making dates with him or making moves on him you know she he comes to the restaurant but she had to practically you know, oh, get him and hold his hand and get him to kind of just to, to make something happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, and even it makes, I suppose it makes more sense in say, like once you've seen the end of the episode, but 
she's being so pleasantly false to Carter while Carter's kind of showing her around the ER with Benton. And she's being, and she's being lovely. <laughs> yeah. Like she's like, oh yeah, this is so really lovely. interesting. Yeah. This is, this is pretty. I the really s- care. <laughs> the second Carter is away, she is on Benton like flies on poo. Yeah, I'm sure there was probably a better analogy I could have done there. But so many. White so on rice. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, in for a penny, in for a pound. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, what? There is no. And it's, it's one of the things I find very refreshing about Carla, just as a character, is that yeah. she is portrayed, certainly so far, as. Like, she's not portrayed as a slapper, basically. No. She is. She's very confident. She's very yeah. confident in her sexuality, or at least she seems to be so far. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Peter looks like on the Tin Man. Yeah, that's a really good description. <laughs> that's how I yeah. see him. He's very. It's all very mechanical, and he do, he he's not fluid. He's very fixed and rigid, and. And Carla is so the opposite. She's effervescent. She comes onto the screen and she fizzes almost. She's such like an exciting chemistry. And it's so fascinating to see her with Benton because she's the exact opposite. And it's great to see him be pushed in that way as well, you know, by something that is so out of his control. And she's just basically taken control. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And he needs, you know, actually, there's a thing right now in both his professional and personal life, there are two very confident women who both Mm. exude, obviously obviously confidence, but experience as well. And as I say that about Carla, that sounds like I'm making assumptions about Carla. I mean that in the most positive way is that she is in complete control of her sexuality. Whereas he seems to now, as you said, you quite rightly said, he seems to be, have lost some of his control in, certainly in his surgery. And he is most certainly not in control of, you know, his personal life in this situation because Carla just is like, I see you being shy. I have no interest in you being shy and I will take care of that. But I see you being shy. Don't worry about it. She's like a, you know, she's very much a very busy woman. And she's probably like, I haven't got all day to, mm. to, to dance around. I've got a restaurant to run. This is my day off or my evening off. We're going to make it count um, is, is how I feel she is. But uh, yeah. she's just, I don't know. She looks like she'd be fun to, to date. I would love, I'd love to even just hang out with her. Obviously, I mean, oh, I'd try yes. dating her if it, if it, you know, a couple of issues there. <laughs> but, Because uh, yeah. uh, you're racist, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can we finally talk about this? Okay, yeah, no. Um, uh, no, funnily enough, no, it's because I'm a horrific misogynist. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was one or the other, really. Um, but she just seems like she lights up a room when she walks yeah. in. Yeah. You know? Yeah, she'd be so fun to hang out with. Definitely. Um, and then the kind of the saga is kind of ongoing with Susan and Green because, mm. well, Susan goes into. Um, She's packing her stuff up and Carol comes in. And again, this is another moment where they've kind of gone, oh, these two had a nice relationship. We're kind of putting a little bow on all these little mm. moments. Um, and they kind of chat about green, which is something that they've obviously been doing 
recently a lot more and Susan says oh you know he's acting strange and Carol's like I think he's just going to miss you and they're just having a little bit of a gossip about it mm. and she and we learn Susan's a bit like well he keeps being so over positive about Phoenix and that's Mark just trying to be you know yeah. a friend but it's come off to Susan as in good riddance good you're gone like it, <laughs> you know it doesn't matter yeah. or something I don't know that's how it seems there's definitely, or at least there seems to me to be, it's just everything Mark is doing is deflection. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And and also then, like for the whole episode, he's asking for, as you say, he's asking for consults and stuff. He does not need a consult on. Yeah. yeah it's embarrassing points, isn't it? It well, is yeah, a little so bit. It is. And he, so, because he comes in and basically interrupts and says, oh, Susan, I need you for a second opinion. And We've never seen him do that with her before this mm. episode. There's never really been a moment where he's, I mean, they talk about stuff, but it's never really been a, like, I, I need you to give me a second opinion. And they kind of, so she does, you know, and it's, it seems like an obvious thing from the way they're behaving. Um, and then later Weaver comes up and, and, and has a bit of a confrontation with, with Susan. She says, you know, I thought we would get we got on now, which again harks back to the fact that they didn't in the mm. beginning, um, and maybe how far they've come. And she says, you know, you you kind of second guess my patient. And she's like, I didn't know it was your patient. This was and that's when it really goes right. I have to go and talk to him. It, something's going on. It, but it's a bit childish. It's like he's setting little fires everywhere so that she keeps her focus on him rather than just going, Look, this is what I want to tell you. He's just acting out like a toddler. And it takes her to say, eventually, it takes her to yeah. say, well, look, I, I think I've proved I'm not very good at goodbyes. And she's yeah. tried a couple of times to talk to him about one thing or another. And, and she does quite rightly. She pulls him up on putting her in the middle between him and Weaver. She goes, well, look, yeah. you won't be able to do that. In the future. I won't be here. Yeah. You know? Um, and he kind of responds in... Yeah, a way that I think has become has become a little bit typical of Mark. He's just like, oh well, thanks for the pep talk, you know. Yeah. yeah it's just oh. Like, oh, Mark, come on, man. I know. Be a bit. Just, just be an adult. And I, I, I'm really up because I don't. One of the things Doug says to, to Mark when he's in one of his pep talks, they have quite a few. He's just like, you know, she needs to know everything so she knows she's making the right decision. And it's like, yeah, just like. Either you, you tell her, or if you're not going to tell her, don't punish her for the fact that you can't tell her. That's how I feel. Yeah. Like, make a decision and live in that bed. Don't do what you're doing at the moment, which is acting quite childish, because they are good friends, and they are best friends. And this... Uh, it's just frustrating, because it's like, you could ruin it, you know. She yeah. might get to Phoenix and not ever want to talk to you again because she was so... It might just always feel weird. It just, I know you don't always, when you are high in emotions and it's easy for me to sit here without, you know, in, I'm not in love with Susan and I'm not Mark. And, mm. um, what? And say all that. <laughs> I know. I fooled you. It was all paint and masking tape. Mother <laughs> of God. I swear, the entire integrity of this podcast has been lost. <laughs> Sorry. Shocking. I'm just so good, aren't I? pretend my mark think it's brilliant um yeah so it, it, i don't know it's it's 
it's a really interesting way that they do it because I think it does real, again really reflect their relationship of kind of on off hot cold the complexities of the fact that they're friends and they're for each other but also that there is this possible romantic or sexual tension you know that's how I feel this storyline goes and it and it works yeah. for me in that okay so we get a pregnant lady come in oh. who's very drunk we oh do. yeah this is uh, a tough storyline in a lot of ways yeah so she comes in she's very drunk um she's causing a she's kind of fighting with the with the staff so they obviously they have to um try and sedate her because she's just you know running around and because she's drunk she's falling around and maggie doyle is there and maggie doyle you know it's not particularly helpful in the room i think at this time because she's quite antagonistic towards the woman and the woman basically does say at one point you know i don't care about the baby like i want the baby to die and maggie really kind of latches onto that and mm. forgets that this is a patient and a patient in need and the thing right in front of them at the moment is the mom not the baby because that's how you are that's what it is when a mom comes in you treat the mom you don't treat the baby you yeah. The first thing is you treat them on. That's the patient because that's the actual human. Um, and Doyle does the opposite in a lot of ways. Yeah, yes. and like she, when I say exposes herself, I'm I'm trying not to sound too judgmental here. She exposes herself as very pro-life, um, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. In in this context, um, when I say she's pro-life, it, it seems to be she goes from zero to a hundred when yes. she's dealing with the, with the mother and there's no attempt. I mean, again, it's hard because the mother is being antagonistic herself in that she's very obviously upset. Yeah. And, you know, you, maybe there was an incident that precipitated this and she's, as you say, incredibly drunk, but within moments um, we see Maggie, kind of grabs the hospital chaplain um, and she, because he, he's down in the ER to perform the last rites on another patient that's in there. Yes, that's thought, right, yes. Initially, I thought Maggie had requested him to come down, but actually it, it turns out no. But while he was there, she was like, uh, I need you right now, Father. We need to go and talk to this mother and, you know, the baby's in, in distress. The mother, her water breaks while she's there. And yeah. it seems to, it, the way it's portrayed, um, it seems to be that she is quite, you know, almost almost right wing in how she would be yes. uh, a, a, approaching this. And again, just just to be clear, I'm not trying to put a horrific generalization judgment on it. I feel she's inappropriate. I do too. So I feel like she does a number of things for me that are, are very questionable. And, and, and again, I'm not, I think it's really interesting to have a female doctor behave that way and have maybe possibly those beliefs because, you know, people have those beliefs, but I, I thought it was interesting as a female doctor to understand the world and understand medicine and all that to, to then still come to that conclusion. I think for me, she puts her religion first at this moment and she also yeah. puts her judgment first rather than going, I'm a doctor. My job 
is actually to look after this woman in front of me, not to make judgments on her, not to use anything she says shouldn't stop me from then treating her the best I can. I hated the way she, she latched onto the priest within seconds of the lady, you know, going up the stairs. I just, I found that really uncomfortable because I just, I have a real thing about people pushing religion on other people because that, you know, Doyle has no idea about this woman. She doesn't know that this woman wasn't raped by a priest and that's, she's now pregnant, can't, that's why she was drinking. Like, you don't know that. And that could trigger her. She could have so many things. And I just thought it was so inappropriate to be like, I'm making this judgment. I'm going to send a priest. I I would be so angry if somebody kind of sent, had decided that they were, you know, knew better than me and they sent somebody religious along because I just, it'd be like, how dare you kind of, that's not your business. Your business is to make sure I am alive or I, as well as I can be. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so funny as well because we know what we know about her is you know she's from kind of this Irish Catholic family and her her family most of them are, are policemen her going into being a doctor is her being a, is her rebellion um we know she loves her guns and she's quite pro-gun as well isn't she so I don't know it'd be like if she came in with like a gunshot wound and then I sent somebody who is like an anti-NRA person upstairs with her like it, I don't know it just felt very much like don't preach to people yeah. who are coming in. That's not your job. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, supposed moral superiority from uh, Maggie, wasn't there? And that the fact, like you say, she sent the, the priest in to give last rites to the baby. As you say, that's not her call to make. It's no. it just so inappropriate, and, and it was done from point of superiority and arrogance. If you ask yeah. me, she made a, a judgment call about that woman. Like you say, you don't know what the circumstances are. I don't know why she's pregnant. You could, you could, you're right. She could, she could have been raped. It's that's why she's drinking herself into oblivion because yeah. she hasn't had access to anything, any support after the after the fact. Yeah, but no, you've gone in with a judgment that she wants to commit abortion, commit yeah. abortion. She wants to have an commit. abortion. Is drinking herself. Yeah, no. Yeah, drinking herself into it. It's just ugh. And it's weird because the woman is obviously off her head drunk. So maybe don't take what she's saying to you when she's off her head drunk as fact, you know, like, you know, you can't then, I I feel like in a court law, a court of law that that would come into it, that you would say, well, actually this person was off. They weren't in their right mind, you know? So yeah, I think what it is as well for me is, is that, the ER we know is a place where very vulnerable people come and yeah. it's the same when they ever have, they have people come in with sometimes with stab wounds or like when that guy came in and he had the drugs in his belly, you know, they're not going to do the police's job for them. They're not yeah. there. That Their thing is to look after them and to treat them. And if they start becoming the people who are, you know, baptizing people's children or moralizing with them when they come in, people are not going to come in. And yeah. that is what, I think is the biggest thing for me with Maggie. It's like, you're just looking at this one patient. You're not looking at the big picture of actually. Yeah. And to be fair to Maggie, it must be horrible to, if if you're sure. so yeah. against that. And it, and, I, and it must wear you down if people come in and they're making these, and it, we've seen all the doctors have moments where they kind of blow up for a personal thing on somebody, but she just takes it, for me, it's too many 
steps too far because later we find out you know the police are going to charge the mother with um you know what, what is it manslaughter they, they they've come in so. with um i think attempted because just the baby i think survives but that's right attempted murder or at least uh like gbh uh, I think, yeah because like i mean there's no two ways about it if you drink six double bourbons and you're nine months pregnant you you know what you're doing yeah yeah you know um even now you're both right like maybe by double bourbon number three diminished responsibility but <laughs> you know uh, so there will be a case and i think that's where mark and kerry both have the problem it's like well you were you should have left this with you know child services because yeah for the various reasons we've said there's any number of reasons why this could have been a thing she, all she might have needed was a bit of psychological help yeah. Now she's facing, you know, a protracted legal issue. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying, hey, look, she should yeah. be led off us or anything like that. But it's the fact, as we've said, as we've cycled back to, we don't know the context. Yes. And, and why wasn't, so a priest was called in. Well, why wasn't a, a, a psych consult called? Because she's yeah. e e expressing yeah. a, a violent self yeah self-harm exactly and why why I, I don't know if the question was asked why do you want to terminate your pregnancy yeah you know i mean it's always that what is happening what exactly what is thought, yeah. yeah how are you how are you why do you want you know I mean, what's making you want to do this and why isn't adoption offered do you know what i mean or yeah. a, a consultation with mm. dcfs once she's dried out to to help her yeah you know either get on the right you know get back into sobriety to help her look after this child or yeah. offer adoption. Offer and the other side of it is that hospital procedure seems to be that you call DCFS and they take it on. And yeah. I know that people worry about kids falling through the cracks. Unfortunately, that isn't their job. And so yeah. that's the other thing. She's kind of gone against hospital policy to, yeah. to and called in a favour from a, from a family member as well, which, again, it's like, well, you haven't just reported it to a police person who's objectively come in and gone I'm gonna look at this and you know it's a family member that she's kind of has connections with and maybe that would color how they would respond to this as well it just that to me there's too many red flags yeah. and she yeah. doesn't understand when they so Kerry and Mark basically said you know that's not what we do and she's like well yeah. I'll testify in my own time it's like, that's not what they're saying that's like point, exactly yeah. That's and I so I was really frustrated with Maggie in this episode. Yes. But County General is supposed to be a safe space, free of. Do you know what I mean? It's a hospital. There should be no judgment. It should be, you are unwell, and we will make you better if we can. You know, it shouldn't be. There should be no moral judgment involved yeah. in in treatment. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 a difficult one because exactly. I know there's a few instances in in future episodes where people who have committed heinous crimes are sometimes left to die which is another quandary, but yeah. at the same time, that's not the same as somebody who's clearly in a great deal of psychological distress if she's drinking herself to her and her baby to death, potentially. Yeah, and I think, I th I think there is that thing that if you were, I don't know, if you were operating on Hitler and he came in and he was dying, would you let him die? For me, as awful, and I can imagine, you know, wanting to do that but i'm very against the death penalty and i don't think anybody has the right on this in this on this world to decide if somebody lives or dies 
and it's it's I find that very inhumane so if somebody did come in and and as you say there are incidents instances in the future for me I don't think it's our call to to make those choices but that's just me if people are pro-death penalty fine but I'm not I just don't think we have a right exactly good let's talk about carol so carol is fighting the the nurse admin because they're still floating people Mm. they want to take hale upstairs and you know carol tries to put up a fight she's on the phone and both kind of um lydia and hale are watching her kind of argue with this woman and they think it's going really well but then all of a sudden the lady hangs up but tell her what for Mm. um yeah doesn't uh, really work that way no it doesn't really uh, if anything it's just like you know well welcome to the belly of the beast but yeah so it's it's funny though because you know at least some of this is a lot of this is protecting her own nurses some of this yeah. is very much a response to how much she hated uh <laughs> the nurse who was floated down Rhonda. Ronda, Ronda. Yeah. nurse Ronda. Yeah, it's just like no, 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 no. Floating must stop. And in fairness, it's an interesting policy that has only arrived in the third season. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Around more cuts. Happened, yeah, exactly. Even if it happened, you know, kind of, you know, when they, when some shows do this thing where, oh, the character was always there. They were just off screen for <laughs> yeah. seven hundred episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a bit like that. It was like, have all of the nurses been floating this whole time? Um, and uh, also, like, Lydia and Hele and Chuni, I think she says she's not far off maxing out for her pension as well. It's like, oh. Chuni? She does say something. Now, maybe wow. she's not in the same, because I didn't think she had been there as long as, say, I know she hasn't been in the show, but in terms of like, oh, she was in the next room. Um <laughs> He says something about worrying about it as well, but I don't think she puts a number on it. Whereas Hale is two years away from maxing out her pension. Yeah. yeah. And Lydia, I think, is one year. Something like that. Something, which is weird because we know they stick around for a lot longer, but they okay. Do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Carol goes up to speak to, to the nurse admin. And the thing she does seem to get across to her is basically actually what they need to do is... Um, okay, if you're going to have to do floats because the nurse admin says we have to because of money because nurses are very expensive. She's saying, well, okay, if we have to do floats, let them make sense, which, you know, I think makes sense. It, it, there are certain people have skill levels, swap them that way rather than having somebody from med surge come down to the ER who doesn't understand that kind of medicine, which makes sense. And I think it's fair enough. But the nurses don't seem that pleased when she offers them that and she tells them that they're not they're not very happy with her mm. and yes. Hale even says careful honey you're sounding like management and it's like oh it's it's a tough one because what is she supposed to do and like, yeah. I mean in, in defense of some managers out there you know being a manager could give Carol the exact position power and position she needs to stop things like this happening yeah definitely um, yeah yeah but, uh, and she's doing her best it's not like she went up there and went oh you know let's do she really thought and said i don't want it happening i don't want it happening and when the lady said look that's it's the only way it can work because of money and whatever yeah 
it's it, it's also a, it's like sometimes you know management handout decrees that people get really annoyed about but actually if they were in the meetings they would see in the long term if we don't do it this way they're going to fire you or you're going to have less hours or do you know what I mean they're going to look for different nurses like it might be one of those things where you have to just take hit for the team now so that you have a job for longer maybe yeah, maybe. my favorite moment is when Randy walks in with the drill <laughs> no right it's like it's just there's no explanation which is where everybody says why have you got a drill do you know what I mean it's just yeah she has. she has yeah and I I liked in my head in my head canon she's back to her old tricks with aggravated mayhem or mm. what it, you know malicious mischief I think was the other one and I I don't think she's mm. going to drill anyone but I think there will be threats do you know what I mean it's going to be yeah. do you want the drill again Mark or whatever do you know what I mean just to get her own way because she's Randy and she's a force of nature and we love her and that's what I love about her, that she can come in with the drill and you're like, yeah, yeah it makes sense. You just, yeah. you don't even question it. Of course she has a drill. Oh, uh, we had a wedding. Speaking of nurses, Lydia. Yeah. It's a big day for Lydia. Yeah. It, it also, uh, I really like that. So she's grumpy at the start about this whole situation because Al Grabarski, which is a great name, um, he's, he's been putting it off and putting it off. So she breaks it off and he's complaining about having to take her... Uh, her wedding dress back and it leads to a, a bit of a pass aggressive conversation about men being spineless and Halei yeah. pretty much likes looks straight at him his back is too which is like yeah men just don't have spine do they and they all know <laughs> what's up and it's just like Halei just she's in charge do you know what I mean she is she is and I think so yeah we have officer Al you know he's been putting the wedding back Lydia's annoyed she's actually cancelled the wedding she's going to return this dress which she keeps comedically falling over with um I say dress it's like a doily it's yeah it's, it's mm. hideous it's <laughs> I'm sorry Lydia it's 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 awful I love the way she calls it a virgin costume yeah me too yeah. Uh, that was that was like oh good on the Lydia that was yeah funny. yeah yeah she knows it's ridiculous to wear white <laughs> and and we see Al come in and he's obviously just brought some random off the street he's just found yeah. who's doing a little tiny nothing and has brought him <laughs> in just so that he can obviously see to, to see Lydia. And then he's having a conversation because Carol's basically like, well, all she wants to do is marry you. Why don't you just marry her? And he's making all these excuses. And and he's like, but, you know, I keep waking up and, and I can't and everything hurts when she's like not here. And you don't know what that feels yeah. like. And Mark says, I do. And I was like, oh, he feels that for Susan. He gets mm. it. Definitely. But the chaplain that we saw that <laughs> who's going upstairs to, you know, um deliver you know, deliver babies from hell is is comes in useful because he he ends up being the chaplain who marries Lydia and Officer Al. Um yeah. in a I mean the most romantic wedding ever I've ever seen. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Who doesn't dream of getting married in a waiting room with patients, sick patients? Gosh, I can't wait to go to that wedding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to hire the actor, uh, Laura uh, Theron, uh, to to walk into when I, you know, into my wedding, to walk behind and say, I need some shit or something, you know, whatever it is. Can anybody give me a stool sample? Stool sample. Thank you, Laura. Thank Just you. the right amount of it. romance. Wasn't yeah. it the right amount of romance for that Definitely. scene? It's just chaos, isn't it? I, I love it as well because 
earlier we see there's a scene between Carter and Bento where Carter's like, oh, we've been paged downstairs and Bento's yeah, like, yeah. what for? And he's like, a wedding. And then he doesn't come. So I feel like Benton just walked past the first person and just shipped them and then was like, oh, I have to go into <laughs> surgery. How did that happen? Oh, uh, brilliant. I, I could, but, yeah, I can imagine yeah. doing that. Yeah. And then Carter then also walks into the middle of the wedding, starts telling Lydia Benton can't make it, then tells Jeannie why he can't make it. And Jeannie looks a little bit like, okay, why are you telling me? <laughs> it's just the most chaotic wedding. Everything. It's a mess, I love it. People, are, you know, patients are coming in, doctors are getting up and running, nurses are screaming for stool samples, <laughs> surgeons are running in the middle of it. But I don't know, Officer Al and Lydia seem quite pleased or happy that, you know, they, it, it seems to be working for them. And I suppose it's yes. not a wedding you'd forget. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. For, for something that had been put off for so long, at least it's definitely something that, they're not going to forget in a hurry. <laughs> um, you know, oh, tell us your wedding story. Well, I, I do have an interesting story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Who does all of the words? She... Yeah, yeah, sorry. But, yeah. Oh, just going to say, I love the fact that she stops her own vows to say, I did the rectal on that one. Uh, <laughs> yes! <laughs> and that's what I will do. I'll work uh, that into my vows. I'll say, yeah. you know, and I love you very much. Oh, by the way, I've already done the rectal on... Uh, <laughs> And just pick a random person in the crowd. Yeah, Nana Smith. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Um, Lord. Oh, if I you're there, then it'll be. I've already done the rectal on Sean. He'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be and fine. I thank well. you for it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? If we'll be there, we're both going to be there. You're trying to not invite okay. us to your wedding. Do you see this, Sean? Well, I'm getting this. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm picking up on this, mm. playing us off against each other. Mm. Well, Gorin has, has said you're. A, yeah, Goran Visnich has said you're a bit intense for him, so... Oh. It's funny, he said the same thing to me, but he asked for more. Touché. <laughs> I uh, thank you, I uh, thank you. Lol. Lol. And as ER loves to do, we have this whole kind of look between, kind of longing looks between oh, Susan yeah. and Mark and, you know, smiling at each other and... None of us know, no, you know, no one really knows what they're thinking. You're thinking, or, you know, Mark's probably thinking about her in that way. Maybe she's looking at him. We don't know. But, you know, they share a look. Yes. But somebody else is getting a little bit cosy in this episode as well. Mm. And that is Carol and Doug. And it's yeah, just yes, beautiful. I love it. I love it. He whispers something in her ear and they're having such a good time together. And... Oh, it's like you two should be up there too. Like, you, why not just bite the bullet? You two get up there too. Give us the wedding we all want. Yes. No, no, no. We'll just wait several years, just annoying <laughs> everyone. You don't want some samples at our wedding. Well, yeah, exactly. I, I want to know, you know, my, I've mentioned this before, I love when people whisper in each other's ears on TV shows and you get to find out what do they say. And But Doug whispers in Carol's ear and we don't know what he says. No. And, I, oh, and oh knowing no. George Clooney, it yeah. was probably filthy or probably something, <laughs> mm -hmm. something designed to try and make yeah. her really laugh or something. Because he, he's quite a joker, isn't he? So yeah. I can't imagine it'd be like him going, "Let's, I'm just whispering something in your ear." Yeah, I, I imagine there was something behind that. Um, and then the, the moment comes that we all love at weddings: the bouquet toss, and 
they do that thing where you know every all the different women are kind of there ready to to get the bouquet and susan and green are together but not the bouquet because she wasn't looking and that's just what they're trying to do and everybody kind of comes up and congratulates her and ends up being just kind of her and mark she's holding yeah. the flowers and mm. it's almost like they're trying to say this is what should be or <sighs> could be you know um yeah there was there was also just because uh it was so telegraphed that of course she was going to catch the bouquet i actually being a bit of a bitch that i am i was looking really closely and there's a really dodgy edit like oh, when, really? when Lydia tosses the bouquet, it's very clearly not the same shot that really? Susan then, then <laughs> catches the bouquet. It's just like, ah, lads. <laughs> it was like, I think it was going somewhere past her left shoulder or something when you have the wide right. shot of Lydia throwing it. Right. Um, and then, yeah, suddenly it's landed neatly into her hands as she wasn't even looking. And I'm just like, no, ER, I see you. I see what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, you're fake, fake news. Um, yeah. From this point on, it's an alternate universe. It um, is. In the original timeline, uh, Susan actually never left County General. Um, and uh, the first time <gasps> Mark had a headache, he went to the doctor and he was fine. Oh, if only. And are they married in, in that timeline? Uh, no, um, they have uh, both <laughs> come out as non-binary and oh. they are now leading the charge as activists in their own right. Fantastic. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. I like that timeline. Um, yeah. Speaking of interesting looks on faces during the wedding, that's a, that's a terrible segue. Um, Jeannie has, segue. thanks, Bob, um, has, has a very contemplative look on her face because earlier in the episode, Al Boulay does the uh, responsible thing. For the first time in his life. First time mm. ever. He uh, serves her divorce papers. It's, it works out for him, but also works out for her. It's actually the best of both worlds. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. It's actually a, a good decision. From um, him? Yeah. Yeah, wow. no, uh, because, because of the horrendous um, hospital system and the insurance system in America, in America mm. he has oh. to qualify to be what's called working poor to oh, get help that, towards that his HIV treatment. Oh, so uh, it's horrible, isn't it? It's oh, just shouldn't so be grim. in existence. No. You shouldn't no. be working and poor. That to me is just capitalism gone mad. I mean, it's it's not like yeah. It's not like we don't have it over here. It's, do you know what I mean? It's you know the whole nurses using food banks and stuff like that oh, because they, they can't afford. It. Yeah, it's it's just you know you sick to think of it. It does yeah. make you sick. But um, so the result is he serves her divorce papers which is a very, apparently it's just simple, even though it's like a massive watch of paperwork, apparently it's just a few signatures. Um, and it, he's bequeathing her, essentially, I'm not bequeathing, but giving her the house, the car, everything. So she's kind of, you know, she's got everything. She's got all of his assets. Mm. Yeah. Which I, like, sounds good. It's, it's, it's funny because, as she does say correctly, she says to Kerry that it is quite a selfless act yeah and it's kind of in a it's positively selfish as well yes but obviously selfish has a negative connotation to it but it's no it is the best thing for everyone and yeah you know it's funny as well because he says oh i was talking to a guy a lawyer we did work and it sounds like this this, this the, the it starts like Oh, did you have a few beers with a buddy and did you make some stupid <laughs> decisions? Yeah. But actually, no, it seems to be very, very good advice. 
Um, yeah, I was also waiting for, oh, I, you know, he gave me magic beans, so I gave him my cow kind of <laughs> moment. But yeah, it did turn yeah. out to actually be good. And, and, and it's great because there's a moment where Ginny's like, but what about, but what? And he says, you don't have to worry about me anymore. Yeah. And it's, it's brilliant because he really is trying to set her free and it, it, it's yeah. a nice moment. And, you know, she goes in and she, she tells Weaver and she's, she's happy about it. And it, I mean, it will relieve a lot of stress because whatever happens now without, you know, she's not liable anymore. Mm-hmm. She can just look after herself, which is something she really needs yeah. to do and needs to have. Um, just sorry, just going back to the bouquet toss, because there is a moment in that, that I just wanted to discuss because, um, uh, Carol and Doug are sharing a moment where they're looking at them both and they're saying, oh, can you see them? Did you see how they looked at each other? And they should just get married already. And it's like, hello, mirror, yeah, your faces. Exactly. <laughs> like, hello. Anyway, I just wanted to point out that little tiny, tiny moment. Um, Do you know what, actually, I, I, now, now you've reminded me, there is a moment again in that that I want to say, how excited was Kerry? For the bouquet toss. She I was know. right in there. <laughs> she was, which didn't yeah. track. I don't know. Maybe she does. Maybe that's just something she's always wanted to get married. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. Was, I have to say, that, that was good. She, and she was a bit like, come on, troops. Come on yeah. now. Yeah. Jean, yeah. in you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, it's, Carol it's just... will be like, go ahead, Zed. Sorry, I was just saying, it's just Kerry wanting to organise people. That's all it was. <laughs> she didn't give a toss about the. So people in a mess, and she said, She's "Come like, on, come on, line." I know. <laughs> and of course, your Carol didn't need to take part of it. So she had robbed half the bouquet anyway. Yeah. Yes, it was a centerpiece. I know, but still, <laughs> <laughs> it was a turkey centerpiece. Who wants to get married with a turkey centerpiece in the middle of their bouquet? Hey, I don't judge your weird kinks. You don't judge mine. <laughs> <laughs> I do judge yours. How dare you? We, d- um, we judge yours when nobody else is just yours. Yeah, so. just yours. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. For further details, see my Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, then we have this. We have a really brilliant moment with Jeannie and Green as well, though, because so Jeannie had like yes. sent a patient upstairs. She she'd spoken to to Doctor Green and said, "Oh, I've got this patient. He was distracted, so he just said, fine, send him upstairs for for an X-ray, MRI, or whatever.'" He, the guy then obviously decomp- decompensates so up there and codes, and he starts trying to blame Jeannie. And Jeannie, because that Jeannie is awesome, just is like, "No, you were distracted by Susan leaving. Don't you shout at me now?" Yeah. Yes. Stop trying to pile stuff on her. And even in that, she's still genie about it. She's like, you're distracted because of Susan. And I get that. She even takes out to go, and I get that. I'm just like, oh, genie, even in giving out to somebody, you're still being nice. Exactly. Exactly. She's um, empathy given human form. Absolutely. Uh, Now, this is all fun because this happens to happen in front of Doug, Mm. who immediately turns around to Mark and says, get your coat. Yeah, but before that, you know, Susan has to actually, you know, she walks around and does her little leaving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she kind of has to leave the hospital first. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't mad dash after somebody who's still mm. there. I don't know if you know this, Sean. I, 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 that, I don't know. Maybe that's where I'm going wrong. Yeah. It's that whole linear time. You can't quite get used to it, can you? you Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Yep, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes, it was. We have to final patients for Susan we've got this weird diabetes guy who's obsessed that he only ever sees Susan which is a bit of a trope that ER trot out yeah. every time like mm. when different doctors leave they have like this one patient we've never seen before that is obsessed and 
Mark totally overreacts and wants to get psych on this poor guy, which okay. oh, yeah, even Malik is like, wrong. sort it yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. He just wants we'll to have call, a chat. Yeah, he's like, we'll call Psych down and you can talk to him. Green, not this guy, you. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the bodybuilder who comes in who's flexing and and this yeah. is another ER, you know, when they have like a really absurd patient come in <laughs> or like yeah. strange. Hmm. Uh, fair play to him to be still bodybuilding that age and he's only yeah. just starting to slow down. He's got a bit of sciatica. Yeah. And he's, he's desperate. To, it, there is a, another ER trope of s- somebody who's um, a sportsman or some something like that. And oh, yeah. I hope I'm re- I hope I'm well enough for this yeah. competition that's coming up. I hope I'm well enough to cheerlead tomorrow. I hope I'm, I'm not pregnant enough to play mm. basketball or whatever that nun was doing. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it was just uh, interesting. It was standard. Then actually it comes to the time when she's going to going to leave. And so they were all setting up for her goodbye party. You know, they've got the cactus cake, they've got the presents, and Doug's got turquoise on a belt. And, uh, uh, you know, mass trauma comes in because it's ER. So they're all having to basically leave the party. And it's time for Susan to go. And she goes in to collect her, you know, her coat and she sees all the stuff that they've done and she kind of smiles and is like oh they're really you know it's sweet because they'd obviously tried and then she does her last walk through the er all slow with kind of plinky plunky music yeah in in what will become a trope yes Uh, um but uh yeah at this stage it's and obviously it's hmm like what am i trying to say here Um, who knows she could have said goodbye to mark (laughs) <laughs> like she was standing like yeah. three feet away from him. Yeah. Like it was I, weird. In the room I'm in right now, I notice the things that are three feet away from me. I, you, you know, what forming I mean? a trauma at the same time, though, Sean. Yeah, sure. Wait, what have you been doing for this entire podcast? <laughs> you know? Yeah, Ed. I've put what? in three <laughs> central lines. <laughs> Whose side do you want, Sharon? <laughs> I go where the heat is. I go where. Yeah, the heat I thought is. so. You go where the drama is. Um, <laughs> Yeah, okay, so I've done a, a few, app, app, you know, rule out appies. Mm. Just mm. a bit of light and a bit of suturing while having a snuggle up, because everybody has a snuggle up when they're doing a suture. Oh, of course, well, yeah. That's Paris. all. It's Paris of the County General. Well, that's where Paris Benton County and Carla, General. that's what we see. We see the Paris get used again exactly. by Carla and Benton. Yeah. I wonder if um, that where Reese begins. Spoilers! Spoilers! <laughs> oh, um, I have to say, I agree. It's weird, isn't it? So she goes around, she has a cute little conversation with kind of like Doug and, and Carol who are like, oh, you're still here, you know, and Carol's like, oh, you know, we're going to miss you. And then she sees, she go, walks into where Mark is. And as you say, she's not that far behind him. So she's like in the room. And she has a moment where she could just say goodbye. We know she finds it difficult, but it felt, I don't know how I would feel if I was Mark and my friend had left without saying goodbye to me. I would be worried about then being in touch with that friend because I'm like, did they, do, are they, are we friends? Like, she didn't. What does this silence mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she and... had time because she looks out at him from outside the room. She goes outside and stares at him for a good 10 minutes. So time wasn't a factor. It, it really mm. wasn't. And it's just like, Grand, I get it, but at the same time, yeah, no, I don't get it. Like, yeah, uh, you know, makes perfect sense. She doesn't say goodbye to Benton because 
why would you? Because, you know, <laughs> people like who are you? <laughs> nobody likes him exactly. What What do you want, Lewis? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go going, now. Bye. Nurse, put in a drip. Uh, yeah. What? <laughs> Are you going to keep talking? Do I have to cut you? Get out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, go kill a baby. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, dark, Sean. Dark. Dark, very dark. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so she goes, and she seconds goes? later, just from the editing of the episode, seconds later, Mark is like, oh, she didn't even say goodbye. It's like, she... everyone failed in this situation, Mark. Like, don't worry about it, man. Yeah. Uh, um, and so, yeah, then... Then Flash here we go. To Genie uh, is having none of his nonsense, and Doug is just like, you know, grab your coat, come on. And then I found not the very last scene, but the kind of montage to get to the last scene. I did find this a little bit like, uh, Lazzy's are laying this on a little bit thick now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I felt like they'd been spot like like Chicago tourism had given them money and gone, <laughs> you know, highlight places, run around, yeah, a bit. Uh, that's how I felt. And also it felt very romantic comedy, you know, that last dash, mm. which is fine in a film, but in a TV show that is, uh, you know, very small amount of time. Mm. Did we need it? Did we need him to be dashing across mm. Chicago? No. Would be I suppose by... it builds the drama, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I do like that. I do like that the, it was a twist. Yeah. Uh, I actually don't feel dissatisfied by how this... Mark and Susan storyline comes to, uh, I suppose we'll say comes to a close. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, because it wasn't what we expected at this yes. stage, I think. Um, yeah, I think when somebody does a dash like that, you think they'll make the declaration and the person will make the declaration back and she would stay. Yeah. And because we'd seen her faltering a little bit throughout the day, you know, I'm not sure, am I making the right decision? You know, it feels like this could be the moment that might change all that. Absolutely. And I wonder as well at the time, if it felt a bit like, you know, like how Drew Barrymore was like the face of Scream, but she like, you know, isn't really in the film as much as you'd expect. I wonder if that's a similar thing. Like, I don't know how much people knew about if she was leaving or not. So it was a bit Mm. of a shock that she would actually leave. It was, oh, oh, she's gone. You know, I don't know because I don't remember at the time knowing. So I don't know what America was like, but. Yeah, no, that's a good point because now you'd know months in advance because it'd be yeah. on Twitter or it'd be online. You know, Sherry Stringfield is leaving ER in season three. And sure, yeah. you know, we'd know the next three shows she was going to be in before this yeah. episode even aired. Right? <laughs> but, yes. you know, not that there was no TV guide or newspapers, obviously, in the mid-90s, but it seems like we have much more rapid uh, access to that information now. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that. It, no, yeah. it could be... It could be a bit of a twist. Maybe she gets yeah. off the train. Um, yeah. Oh, I've just thought, you know what is an easy comparison? Did Rachel get off the plane or not? Oh. I was going to say that. Did she get off the plane? I was just thinking, does that ever work when somebody goes, when they're, when they're you know, that, that old cliche, do they ever actually get off the, the mode of transport and say, yes, well, no, of course. I always think about it at the end of The Graduate when he goes and he grabs her and then they get in on the bus and then they both look a bit like, oh God, what have we done? Like this. Is a... <laughs> That's how I always imagine it. But yeah, the seven times it's happened to me, it's, it, I've stayed. <laughs> seven times the same person, seven different men or people. I'm going to let you decide. 
That's all what right. you think? I'm already writing the sequel to this episode in my head, starring Sharon uh, and Carter and Carter, Carter and Carter and Carter and Carter. And, Carter. and, and Mila, Carter. that one time, it was interesting. Yeah, it was. She called uh, me a wanker and I just could do it. I want you to stay, wanker. Uh, hang on, what did uh, you just call me? <laughs> yeah. Bye, bye. Exactly. No. So, oh, yeah. Old Mark. Mark Sorry, gets Rob. to Union Station, runs through. Yeah. The train's gone, the platform's empty. No, says train man who works there. Don't know what the name is. Conductor. <laughs> Thank you, him. Train man. <laughs> I like train man. <laughs> I am train man. I stand here to tell robotic people where their trains actually are. Um, <laughs> no, sir, song, you're the train man. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, he says, oh, it's on that. It's over there on that platform. So we've got that added drama. And then he sees Susan and he's calling to her. She can't hear him. So he makes another mad dash. And... You know, she's on the train and he comes and he's screaming, Susan, and she gets yeah. off and we're like, this is it. And he, he says to her, stay, I love you. Um, mm. You know, the words we've been dying for him to say. And she turns to him and she says, oh, friend. Thank you, friend. Yeah. Love you. Love you as a friend. You just have a lovely friend. <laughs> yes, it's, it, it, in the words of Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi, this is not going to go the way you think. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Mark, I mean, yeah. They have a kiss. They do kiss. Yeah, yeah. They have a kiss. But she she gets on the train, and he's heartbroken. And then she come, you know, she puts puts her head out the window and she says, "I, I love you too, Mark, or I love you." And I, I was very much like she says, "I love you," not "I'm in love with you." He's in mm. love with her. To me, yeah. it felt like I felt like the past few episodes she's been trying to weigh up if she loves him or not, if yeah. it's platonic, if there's more. And I think she's realized there isn't, it isn't, it is just platonic, especially because I think if you loved somebody, you would want to stay. Yeah. And, and also she's, went, yeah. yeah, she's not the kind of person that wouldn't tell somebody how that yeah. she feels as well. So I, I felt like if, the, if it had been reversed, she would have probably spoken to Mark where it, he got scared and didn't for, for ages. Um, yeah. But I really believe, yeah. She's the love of his life. Um, oh, wow. I, I, I think if you have to decide if you love somebody or if you have to think about it, then you don't. Do you know what I mean? Then you're not yeah. in that. I think you know, if you know, you know. And you don't want to leave that person. You know, yeah. if you're saying there's nothing for me in Chicago and somebody you love says, I'm here, stay, you would stay? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Maybe try it out. I don't know. If you really, if you were in love with someone, I think, am I being too romantic, too much of a romantic? I am. No, no, I think, I think it works. Definitely. It makes sense. Yeah. I'm a Charlotte. <laughs> oh, Sorry, yeah. Kevin. Took me a second. Yes. Yeah. Um, I am. I thought you said you were a harlot and I thought, don't be hard on yourself. That too. <laughs> oh, okay. Listen, if the shoe fits. Um, but yeah, so, and with that, Susan, Susan speeds off on the train. Yeah. And there's no steam, but I see steam. Yeah. And off she goes, and Mark is covered in the fog of the steam and sad. That would have been a nicer ending. Steam's actually coming from him as he's like, <laughs> Are you kidding <laughs> me? <laughs> I just ran through me. Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Goodbye, Susan. Goodbye, Susan. Bye, um, Susan. And I do, I do feel that this was a a good exit for her. Yes, yes. me too. 
is yeah. I've, I've mentioned before we are getting ahead of ourselves her second exit is pff, nothing that cluster it's barely a fart do you know what it's, i mean it's it's, it's, it's it doesn't it doesn't encapsulate what she means to yes. that show and i don't know why yeah. it happened that way or how or what was going on but it yeah. it, it compared to this especially it's, it was a real damn squib you know so yeah. that's that's Union Station. Brilliant. E H B I E R. Yeah. Is Phyllis. We're going very German all of a sudden, oh, yeah. um, but with a German accent. I don't know what that was. Um, <laughs> so Phyllis Dodds, who played the landlady uh, in um, in Susan's building, now Mark's building, because he's a creep, uh, was played by veteran actor Fran Bennett who has been around since, I'm scrolling all the way down to the bottom of Ryan DB, and it keeps going down. So 1952 oh, wow. is her first credit on IMDb, but I think they've got that wrong. So I'm going to say 1956, that makes more sense. Uh, and she's still working because she has a film in post-production this year. Wow, go from Bennett. Yeah. Um, how many credits is it? 109 credits. Wow. Um, yeah. She's been in all sorts of stuff. She was in Community as uh, Nana, which oh. was Troy's grandmother, who uh, who, sp- <laughs> who caned Britta with a switch yeah. because Britta said something not even that bad, but but uh, Nana which really took against that it. She made yeah. her get cut me a switch. Yeah, um, well, she, yeah. She she says you're beautiful. She basically insinuates that she's a beautiful. Oh, yeah. You know, I bet you yeah. were a heartbreaker, and she says you think how many men oh, do you think yes. I lied with? Yeah, get me a switch. <laughs> <laughs> I have not watched Community too many times. How dare you? <laughs> I, I I didn't say it. I thought it, but I I think I'm on a rewatching still. So don't worry about it. Oh, um, guys. Are you guys? Uh, Murder, she wrote, she was in as Detective McKenzie. I really want to see that because I could see her as a detective. Oh, absolutely. As a tough as nails detective. Um, Melrose plays Quantum Leap twice. Oh, yeah, wow. she, was in the, she was in the trilogy uh, episode called Trilogy in Quantum Leap. <laughs> uh, she was in Star Trek Next Generation as Fleet Admiral Shanthi in the second ah, part yes. of Redemption. Yep. Yeah. Um, God, just so much stuff. God, she she's, she's been doctors, nurses. She was, she's also known, like, one of the facts on her IMDb is that she's played a judge, like, six or seven times, which is quite impressive, I think. You know, yeah. a judge has got some serious, you know, weight That's behind them. Close, yeah. Exactly. yeah uh, yes, Klaus, it's a it. real American thing, though, to have black yeah. judges in yes, lots of shows. Is, yeah. I mean, there's that episode of Third York where, where they're talking about how racism's back, and he says... There was a white judge on on Law and Order last night, and they're like, oh, "Because it's a black judge, like it's that intrinsic." She also played in um, a Twilight Zone episode in 1986, the UN chairman in a segment called "A Small Talent for War." So she was the head of UN in a show. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, I'm with I her. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, Fran Bennett, thank you very much for your years of uh, acting performances. She's in ER twice as well, by the way. And I rewatched the second episode, and it's her and um, the uh, another veteran actor, Kay Callan, who are older people living in a retirement community who have an actual physical fight and are brought in, brought into the ER, practically still hitting each other and calling each other all kinds of horrendous names like slut and whore and harlot and all that kind of stuff. It's just it is it is a really good episode really wow. good little vignette in a later episode yeah yeah so they're fran bennett uh shall we do some drugs always 
Okay. It's, it's a very gentle drug this time. It's called Manitol. Um, you might have heard it mentioned a few times. It's actually a type of sugar alcohol, which is used as a sweetener and in medication. Um, it's used as a low-calorie sweetener because it doesn't get absorbed by the intestines. So, so it's, it just goes through. Is it literally a spoonful of sugar going down with the medicine? Is yes. that what you're telling me? It's Mary Good. Poppins. Well, Except it's well, injected, well. but yeah. <laughs> sure, sure, why not? But... <laughs> Um, so it's, it's used to decrease pressure in all sorts of places. So as in the eyes, in, as in glaucoma and also to lower increased intracranial pressure. It was originally made from a plant called the flowering ash and was called manna due to its sort of resemblance to, you know, the manna from heaven, uh, manna from heaven in the Bible. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's also on the World Anti-Doping Agency's banned drug list oh. that can mask other drugs. So Whoa. there's a hint for you out there. If you're planning on taking steroids, consider some mannitol. <laughs> Not that I advocate that, but and then I, I could know. still compete in the uh, you know yes. the bike exactly. running whatever it is I want yeah. to do. Cool, good to know. There we go. Yeah. So that's mannitol. That was, and we're calling it. Thanks for listening to our podcast about everything ER. Don't forget, you can find us on social media on Instagram at you set the tone pod and set underscore pod on Twitter. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. And remember, you set the tone.